There's an old saying that says you can't see the forest for the trees. Being a widow is like that. You get lost in the details of it, and you lose perspective on the bigger issues. And the bigger issue is, how are you going to handle the next 30 years? I'm pretty determined to figure out how to make the next 30 years the best years of my life. Hello, I'm Carolyn, and I'm a widow. Yeah, it does kind of sound like an Alcoholics Anonymous introduction. That one word says it all: widow. I was once part of something bigger than myself. I was a significant other. I was a partner, and now I'm not. Maybe we should start a widows anonymous group and have meetings. Kidding aside, these podcasts are meant to be a form of encouragement. They're not a number of steps. They won't tell you how to move through the grief. There won't be a list of things that you must do. These podcasts are just my stories, and through these stories, I hope you can feel a little less alone, a little stronger. Know that you're enough, and your situation is unique. And most of all, I want you to know that you're allowed to do things your way. Welcome to this episode titled "Widow Finances." Dealing with finances is one of the scariest things for a widow. No matter what your combined income was before your husband died, your financial situation has changed. Some widows were able to talk to their husband and make plans, but for many others like me, we never had a chance. I've worked our entire marriage. My husband did the physical banking, but I paid the bills and kept track of our finances. I raised four kids as a single mom before remarrying. I watched every penny. He was much more relaxed about money. Through my work, there was always a life insurance policy. More than once, we teased that if something were to happen to me, he'd be fine. On the other hand, I would be in trouble. I often teased him that he was my wife. He took care of all the household chores inside and out. He took kids to the doctor or the dentist. He did the cooking and the grocery shopping. He took such good care of me. I was able to focus on my teaching career. I had a lot of catching up to do since I didn't start my teaching career until I was forty. I always teased about B.C. and A.C. B.C. was before Carol. I did everything: every repair, electrical, septic, toilets, plumbing. A.C. after Carol, I never did those things again. I was forty, and my husband was fifty when we met. In fact, he was my employee. He called me boss even after we were married. I was running a church camp and needed to hire a summer maintenance man. He was recently retired after thirty years as a carpenter. He showed up for the interview with clean jeans, a dicky work shirt, a truck, and his tools. I hired him on the spot. He was great all summer with the staff, the campers, my kids. He tackled every list I gave him with a smile. I was under the truck fixing a brake line one day, and when I stood up, I was covered with dirt and leaves. He walked up behind me and brushed them off. I nearly jumped out of my skin. My first husband had been abusive. I had no interest in dating, no plan to ever marry again. It took him three years to convince me to marry him. It was so good. I didn't know how wonderful marriage could be. My first husband had left me with four kids, sporadic child support, unpaid health insurance premiums, and twenty thousand in debt. There was no spousal support or investments to split. 
I vowed that I would never be in that kind of financial situation again. I didn't marry my husband for his money. He didn't have much, and neither did I. He paid spousal support for five years, and half his pension went to his ex-wife, and it was set up to end when he died. But we built a wonderful life together. It was a second marriage for both of us, and it was a good one. We bought an old cottage on a lake outside of Metro Detroit. I had quite a drive to work in Wayne County, but living on the lake was like being up north. We were both homebodies. We lived on a beautiful chain of lakes, had a little fishing boat. We could swim off the dock, ice fish, and skate in the wintertime. He loved being retired and doing carpentry work on our little cottage. But the cottage was built into a hillside, and he started having trouble with all the stairs inside and out. We knew that we'd never get back all the money we put into it over the years, but we decided to sell and move up north. We were lucky that we were able to sell, make enough money to buy our little house up north, and put a little bit in the bank. Just a year after moving, he was gone. At first it was burial costs, funeral or no funeral, funeral luncheon, cremation costs, then the notices that the pension payment that was deposited in our checking account had to be sent back, then the notice from Social Security saying that that deposit had to be sent back, and the VA disability check that needed to be returned. Then there was the brand new truck sitting in the driveway, just six months old with the payment due, and then there were medical bills that began to come in. And the tractor had been sent out for repair, and the bill was $3,200. I was so worried about finances. I'd started a new job. We'd bought a new house. We sold the old house. We bought a new truck. We were making payments on the truck and my Jeep. And I'd lost over half our income in just nine months. In the days and months that followed his death, I pictured myself cold and alone living in a tiny shack in the woods. I was working on a budget, and I was trying to plan for the future, but the future is so unclear and so uncertain when you become a widow. He died December 7th, and by December 10th, my kids and I had washed the new truck, cleaning it in and out, and taken pictures to post it for sale. December 14th, I was right back at work. I had to have money coming in. I had to go back as quickly as possible. They were good about time off, but only so much would be paid time off. I was so worried about finances. I'd started a new job, bought a new house, sold the old house, bought a new truck, made payments on the truck in my Jeep, and lost over half our income in just nine months. In my husband's final few days, I decided that I need to put our six-month-old puppy in the kennel. I posted a request for recommendations on the county bulletin board and found Mary and Will, who are willing to take pets into their home. Mary contacted a friend with Quilts Valor and told her my husband was a Vietnam vet. And the day before he passed away, her friend Bonnie presented him with a quilt of valor. She welcomed him home and thanked him for his service as he should have been welcomed home so many years ago. As a community, we're physically so far apart, but still so well connected. I picked up our puppy the day he died, and Mary let Bonnie know that he'd passed away. She immediately went into action and connected me with our Veterans Affairs officer. I didn't even know such a thing existed. Just a few days later, I met with Tony. 
My husband was collecting a VA disability payment due to Agent Orange exposure. Agent Orange exposure was a contributing factor to his death, but I didn't know how important it was to have that on the death certificate. Tony contacted the medical examiner for me and provided appropriate documentation and the death certificate was reissued with Agent Orange listed as a contributing factor. This meant that I would qualify for CHAMP VA, the Civilian Healthcare Program with the Veterans Administration. He also told me about DIC, Dependent Indemnity Compensation, and he helped me to apply for it. He told me I could apply for Social Security benefits as well. I had my husband cremated because due to COVID, we were unable to make any plans for a funeral or memorial service. But Tony explained all the options I had through the VA and helped me submit the cremation cost to the VA. My husband had been in the VA system for years, but I have to honestly say that if I'd still been downstate, I would have never known about these benefits that my husband earned. I know he was worried about me and the fact that financially it would be difficult without him. I wish he could have known about DIC and CHAMP VA before he died. It would have given him some peace knowing that I would have some financial support. I'm doing okay now. I feel like I have things figured out a bit better. With so many financial changes, I consulted a tax accountant for the first time in my life. I've always budgeted and done my own taxes, but I was feeling uneasy and unsure on how to handle all the changes, and I didn't want any surprises when taxes needed to be filed. So I made an appointment and brought a pile of papers and a long list of questions. I definitely got my money's worth. Not only did he help me avoid penalties because of insufficient funds were being withheld, but he helped me understand the Social Security survivor benefits. For every $2 you earn over $18,000, Social Security reduces your survivor benefits by a dollar. And if you earn any wages, all of the money you earn, including your Social Security, are taxable. Together we did the math and determined that working did not make sense. I'll reach full retirement age in one year, then I can make as much as I want, and it won't affect my Social Security survivor benefits. So I was able to retire in June, which is not something I thought I'd ever be able to do. I retired because I was exhausted, physically, mentally, and emotionally. I'm giving myself one year off of work. If I'm very careful, I can live on the income I receive, but every penny is strictly budgeted. With the current economy and inflation, I know that each year I'll have to make more money just to keep up with the basic bills. I thought I'd love being retired, but it's harder than I thought. The pandemic hit just a few months after we moved in. I was teaching full-time online, and then my husband passed away just a year after we moved, so I'm feeling pretty isolated. Days, sometimes entire weeks can go by, and I haven't spoken to or seen another human being. I don't think I'll stay retired, both for mental health and financial reasons. We work our whole lives to reach a time when we can retire. I'm grateful that my husband was able to retire when he was 50. I'm grateful that we had 23 years together. And because he was retired, we had more time together than most couples do. But my own retirement dreams included my husband. One day merges into the next with little structure. I often feel lost and alone. 
Thanks so much for listening. All the podcasts in this series can be found on my website. The website is we to just me podcast.com. They're also located on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcast, YouTube, and many other popular podcast feeds. New episodes are published weekly. Till then, I hope you have a really great week.